All right, hockey fans, listen up because we've got something special cooked up for playoff season. It's called the Daily Faceoff Playoff Parlay Challenge, and it's going to add some serious spice to your playoff experience. Now, here's the deal every playoff game, you're going to be faced with a handful of questions. It's like your own personal playoff puzzle, and it's free to join. And there are prizes because who doesn't love winning stuff? Daily winners, you're getting hooked up with gift cards. Treat yourself to some nation gear or maybe even your favorite jersey. And for the big dogs, the people who can win an entire round, it's straight, cold, hard cash. We're talking about real dough for your hockey knowledge. So lace up those skates, stretch those thumbs, and get ready to show off your hockey IQ in the daily face-off playoff parlay challenge. Sign up today and play every game day at games.dailyfaceoff.com and prove your puck prowess. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Burrow is a furniture company known for timeless design and thoughtful construction, and free shipping, and that extends to their outdoor collection. Their outdoor furniture is built to withstand the elements, featuring rust-proof stainless steel hardware, weather-ready teak, and quick-dry foam cushions. For Memorial Day, get 15% off your Burrow purchase at burrow.com slash ACAST and up to 25% off outdoor. That's up to 25% off outdoor furniture at burrow.com slash ACAST. Can you see it? Did you notice? Check, but the puck comes right to Pedersen who tries a bank pass for Besser. In with a shot, he scores! Moments notice, at arm's length, the line, Hughes, scores! Yes, existence, take you to the sun. First career NHL goal, Quinn Hughes makes it 1-0. Here, like I don't, I won't cover the Canucks. Yeah. I cover Quinn Hughes and what he's doing to the Canucks. Just wave the guy and get Demko involved. I wanted them in and down. Wow, we should do a radio show together. <laughs> right on. I want to fist bump you right now. Pearl steals, cutting in, shoots, scores. Don't waste all the good stuff on the off air. Let's go.
Hello Canucks fans, welcome back to another episode of the Canucks Conversation. My name is Chris Faber and thank you for joining us for this midweek show. I don't think it's going to be a long one, but the Canucks Conversation is presented by the great folks at Zephyr Epic. Uh, I'll bring in David Quadrelli right now because he's had it with the goaltender slander already. I have, I have Chris. I've seen some people, you know, even Thatcher Demko himself said he needed to be a bit better. Oh, by the way, hi listeners, nice to nice to talk to you, um, but Here's the thing is people are kind of panicking after the Canucks have had their last three games. It's not it's not great, but I don't think the issues with the goaltending and people who are saying it are, I, I just think aren't really operating in good faith or really know what they're talking about, to be quite honest with you. Uh, the Canucks goaltenders have have done better than they were expected to in terms of expected goals rate. The issue to me, Chris, lies a lot with the power play, or sorry, the penalty kill. It's just, it's not good enough, and you can't take seven penalties, as the Canucks learned tonight, you can't take seven penalties and expect your goaltender to bail you out every time. Like, I would say, you know, and maybe this is a hot take, actually no, it's not even a hot take, they have played worse defensively right now, like much worse defensively right now, than they did in front of Demko against Vegas. That's what I'm going to say. Because they actually bought in to a system against Vegas, and they played it to, to a T. And it was interesting, because I was talking to Kevin Woodley about it. I'm going to let you talk soon, Chris. I was talking to Kevin Woodley about it before the season started, and he said, like, yeah, they're going to have to be better defensively in front of Holtby and Demko. They don't have Jacob Markstrom anymore. They're not going to be able to get bailed out at the same rate that they were last season. Because, by the way, it was a pretty big rate. So... Now, the Canucks aren't getting that buy-in, and it was interesting to me, it kind of piqued my interest because they talked about in the postgame, Tyler Myers and Travis Green both used the word buy-in, we need to buy into a full 60 minutes, and I don't think the Canucks did. I think they were lazy toward the end, and I think everybody can kind of agree with that, but I'm personally, I'm, I'm nowhere near hitting the panic button on the goaltenders, I thought they both looked good, Demko could have been better tonight, absolutely, but I think Holtby and Demko have both done their fair share uh, in these games, they... They've given them a chance to win, right? Like, even tonight, they were right in it, right till the end, 4-2, whatever, and then the goalie was pulled, and, you know, they're right in it. And a few different bounces, things look differently. Personally, I'm not panicking too much, especially about the goaltenders. Your turn to talk. Yeah, I think that, uh, you know, looking at some of the numbers quickly here, there's there's no other team that's played at least two games that has been on the penalty kill more than the Vancouver Canucks. I mean, they've... They have really kicked themselves in their own ass doing that. They're they're on the penalty kill for nine minutes and thirty two seconds average through four games. That's, that's like one. Bad. That's one sixth of the game you're playing on a deficit, and that number is probably higher if they aren't getting scored on so much, right? I mean, like that's that's got to be the place to start because it's been it, it's a brutal spot for the Vancouver Canucks right now. They've given up seven goals so far on the penalty kill. That's that's a horrible start, and seeing seven penalties in this most recent game that we're recording right after it just finished, like that was kind of the icing on top. You know, that was the cherry on top. The icing was watching what they did in Calgary in the first game, but the second game, that was the cherry on top. Just seeing them throw away another game because of that penalty kill, and I think that it, it's bad when you see the team take six straight penalties. Right, like that was the absolute shift in momentum in that game was. They come out in the first period and, and they play the best period all season long. Like, that was by far the best period. Adam Gaudet, potentially the best period of his life in that period. Absolutely. And then everything disappeared at 5-1-5 because there was no flow to the team. But, like, that's the thing. Like, there's there's a flow in the game and then there's a flow for each team, right? 
And the Vancouver Canucks just had, they didn't have that flow at all. The Calgary Flames were able to continue their flow with the power plays because when you're boosted a man or the other team's a man down, your flow's just going to continue to going and the game flow just absolutely turned into the Calgary Flames' way. And now the Canucks are on a three-game losing streak and, and it's a tough spot to be in because this is a short season where if you lose back-to-back games against a team in your division, it means so much. Like, I, I, I don't think a lot of people really understand how much it means to go in and lose those back-to-back games. Like, it is huge. It is a really bad situation to be in. And the Vancouver Canucks are finding themselves right now there. And find, it's going to be good for them to get home because they they really need a reset, whether it's a mental reset, a physical reset. Like, they need it all because those last three games have just been the Canucks going out on the ice, maybe winning a period. Like, they obviously won the period in the first period here against the Flames. But in the other games, like, I'm thinking, like, I don't really think they won another period in those three losses aside from the first period of the third game. So they need, they really need a reset on multiple different spots for sure. Yeah, absolutely. And I think you've talked enough about the penalty kill. The power play has been great, right, Chris? If the penalty kill has been so bad, the the power play has been great. Tell me the power play has been great, Chris. Yeah. Yeah. The power play. That that's the other thing. It's like the penalty. I saw a good tweet from J Pat. The penalty kill has more goals than the power play at this point. So (laughs) Like, that's another really tough situation. And, like, just to touch on your goaltender thing a little bit before we get into the power play, because we'll talk about that for sure. Yeah. But you're right. Like, looking at 5 on 5 save percentage, Braden Holtby's sitting at a 938, Thatcher Demko's sitting at a 911. Like, not the worst numbers for a goaltender at all. Especially when you look at Thatcher Demko, whose saves per 60 is 37 right now. I mean, he's facing a ton of shots at 5 on 5, a ton of high danger saves at 5 on 5 that he has to make. So, yeah, they're they're really leaving them out to dry in a lot of certain situations. And I, I I think that there's, like, you know, like, there's there's probably a little bit of blame to go on the goaltenders, but probably not a ton, to be honest. Because, yeah, it's, like, that goal where they scored where, where there was five Canucks standing right in front of Thatcher Demko, and nobody's going to look for an extra man. Like, that is just an absolute collapse in the defensive zone. Like, you can't do that. Like, it, it, there was times where the Canucks just looked horrible tonight. And it, it's too bad because... We're not, like, at the point of, of, you know, having a meltdown at this point. But but seriously, like, if they lose these back-to-back games against Montreal, it, it's time for an absolute meltdown. Like, it really is. It's not the time right now because the Canucks are 1-3. But if you lose back-to-back games against Montreal and you're 1-5, like, you're going to see the draft folks come running. Like, I'm going to have to start doing my 2021 draft prospects, like, a lot earlier this year. Like, but straight up, like, Team Tank will be right back at the top of our Twitter feeds every single day um, if the Canucks go out and can't... If they don't win this series against the Montreal Canadiens, they're in trouble. Yes, I I don't disagree. I don't disagree. I don't know if... I don't know if Team Tank should be coming out of the woodworks. I think that's just, you know... I don't think that's personally... I don't think that's in their best interest for the long term. I don't know. Like, here's the thing, Chris, is like... Tonight was JT Miller's first time back with the lotto line. I thought they looked exceptional in the first period. But then they just got caved in. They fell apart. And maybe you chalk that up to rust and having not played together since training camp or whatever. Maybe they needed this game. To me... This game really looks to have served as a kick in the pants for the Canucks. Just the way Tyler Myers was talking post game, uh, and you know Tyler Myers, super strong game. I thought I thought he this was one of his best in a Canuck uniform, especially on a night where a lot of people looked like they didn't show up. Uh, Myers Myers impressed me. I thought Myers was good. Um, just the way he was talking in the post game was really interesting to me. And hell, even. Even Pedersen and Miller with that quote uh, saying we're professional, we just need to be better professionals, we get paid a lot of money to play this game, and it's just like, 
yeah, like that's 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 probably the best analysis you could give, right? And it's just, you know, like I see a lot of guys owning up to their stuff. Even Demko, who really, like you said, he definitely could have played better, but he certainly wasn't the problem in this game. Uh, and, you know, he hasn't been in either of the starts he's made. Uh, even him just saying, like, I need to play a little bit better. Like, I'm glad he said a little bit because he really doesn't need to play that much better. But, you know, he, he owned up to it. And it's like everybody's taking taking ownership, even Pedersen. Pedersen saying he was too selfish and taking those penalties. He was disappointed in himself and all that stuff, right? Like, you know, Pedersen definitely uh, has had looks, but... I don't want to lean too much into the what's what's wrong with Elias Pettersson debate because here's the thing, Chris, that pass to Besser on the power play, if it hits Besser's stick, nobody's talking about it. The slap shot to, or sorry, the slap shot on the power play when they were down by two with the goalie pulled, if that goes bar down, nobody's talking about Pettersson. Pettersson's back and he missed by like a couple inches. And here's the thing is just, we know he's going to come back, right? And Maybe it takes a little bit of a kick in the pants for not only Pedersen, but for this whole team to kind of wake up and see like, okay, we've really, we've really got to turn it on. Especially like you said, if you're down one in five in a regular season, that's not great. But when you're down one in five in a season where you only play divisional opponents who you've lost to more than a few times at that point, and it's a shortened season, like, yeah, then it's a little bit worse, right? Like going one in five isn't bad. Like, it's not the worst thing to start a season, whatever. Like, you know, look at the St. Louis Blues in the year they won the Cup, December, bottom of the league, whatever. In a year where it's going to be so hard to make up any ground that you lose, you just can't afford to lose games off mental mistakes and, you know, little errors. Like, honestly, and, you know, I guess I haven't been part of media that long, but, you know, I've watched the post games with Travis before I was on the calls asking questions. Honestly, I think this was the most mad I've seen Travis Green like there was no I'm not trying to say he makes excuses for his team usually but Travis is a player's coach like he'll he'll definitely defend his players when they uh when they make mistakes and media asks questions about it he'll like oh blah 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 he'll change the subject or he'll he'll say something nice about that play or whatever tonight he was asked what do you say to Tyler Myers after he punches Kachuk in the face and you know he's a player's coach he didn't say oh I yell at him blah 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 he said uh, same thing I'm saying to a few other players tonight. And it was just like, I don't know that to me was just Travis seemed pretty upset with his team. Uh, I can't imagine it's going to be a nice flight back to Vancouver, but this is the chance for the Canucks to hit the reset button. And I think just based on kind of everybody's, the perception I got just from the way everybody was talking tonight just makes me think that they're going to go home and really come out firing against Montreal. And I don't think that they're going to take their foot off the gas pedal like they did on Monday night against the flames. Well, they're, they're going to have to, like they really have to. And I, and I think speaking of Travis green, like he also mentioned that he's probably going to have a talk with PD. We know how the Travis green talks go. So, you know, bet the over on whatever PD's numbers are uh, going into this next game here. But at the same time, like you, you said the, the Hor- or the Pedersen line was good in the first period. I thought they were good in the- on the power play, but today at five on five, like they were bad. They were really bad today at five yeah. on five. Like they couldn't they couldn't put together passes to generate any off- offense. Not a lot of the team really could. I mean, even in the first period at five on five, I thought the Godet line was great, but I didn't see a lot out of the Horvat line that looked good. I didn't see a lot out of the Pedersen that I the Pedersen line that I liked at five on five. I mean, like straight up, the Pedersen line didn't have a shot on net at five on five today. They were on the ice for, you know, a decent amount of time, all of them over 10 minutes of ice time, and they don't get a shot at 5-on-5. They were on the ice for the Canucks having one shot, and it came from a defenseman. 
Like, that's a bad showing from your line that's supposed to be, you know, with JT Miller coming in, everyone's calling him the saver. Like, I don't know if you're on Reddit very often, but, like, Reddit was just jam-packed with JT Miller memes uh, over the past couple days with him coming back. And, unfortunately, that line just didn't really click today. And, I, I like, it makes you wonder if it is something with Pedersen right now early on in the season. And he was asked that question if this has been the toughest run of games since he's come over to North America. And, you know, like, he's a guy who's going to give you points, right? Like, he's going to put up points. He made the great pass to Besser early on in the season. But aside from that, he's broken a few sticks. His his shot hasn't exactly gone where he's wanted to go every single time. He has hit some bars, so, like, I'll give him that. He's He's been close on a lot of goals, and, and you, you mentioned it. Like, if those are one-inch difference and they're into the net, we're talking about a very different thing here. But most of those have come on the power play. I think that there's not a lot really being generated in the offensive zone at 5-on-5 five five for the Pedersen line right now. And... I don't know how to fix it. I'm not a I'm not a guy who should be hired as a coach anywhere, but I can clearly see that the offense is not going on right now. Like it's it's getting into the zone fine. Like I find that they're getting over the blue line into the offensive zone fine, but it go it's going nowhere from there in the offensive zone. And I don't know how to fix it. I hope Travis Green knows how to fix it by Wednesday, but it's it's kind of tough to watch at certain points because we've seen Elias Pettersson give Canucks fans such a way of of playing hockey that we've just been blown away by by so much and I just you're not seeing that same type right now I know it's early it's four games in but he's one of the best players in the world and I think that there are certain expectations that that you have to I don't want to say hold him accountable for because that seems harsh but like there are certain expectations for a guy like Elias Pettersson to bring to your team at five on five and unfortunately through four games he, he just hasn't done that yet. Yeah, absolutely. I I don't disagree with you. It looks to me like, you know, and I'm not trying to I'm not trying to come at you and just preach a bunch of positivity. Like it looks to me just from watching the games, it looks to me that Lewis Patterson's right on the cusp. And you saw signs of it. I think you saw flashes of it in the first period. I think they played really well in the first period. That lotto line was spending a lot of time in the offensive zone in the first period, but then it all fell off. And that goes for the whole team. And you kind of look to the lotto line, and that's the thing, right? Is like. With the Canucks, like, their fourth line's actually been pretty good for them so far, but holy smokes, like, I just, I wonder if it's, if it's a matter of just, you know, how, how badly are the Canucks going to miss Jacob Markstrom just because he, he fills so many of their, their holes, like, he masks so many flaws that they have, you know what I mean? And it's just... Well, you heard it today from, I I don't even know who it was getting interviewed after the game, but... He mentioned it. He's like, yeah, we, you know, we got our asses kicked in the first period. And then Marky really stepped up and brought us back into that game. Like that's what Jacob Markstrom would have done for the Vancouver Canucks in that second period. Right? Like when you're getting absolutely shell shocked by shots, that's when Jacob Markstrom would go out and win you games. Why he was the MVP last two years. Like he goes out you and wins you those games. So unfortunately you didn't have that from Thatcher Demko and it's not Thatcher Demko's fault. I mean, he had 20 shots against him in just the second period. A lot of goaltenders are going to let in goals in when you face 20 shots. That's one per minute coming at you. Like not to mention shots that are being attempted. Like this is, there's a lot that needs to be fixed on this team right now, early on in the season. Like at least you're early on in the season and fixing these things can actually happen because yeah, Mon- Montreal's a good team. Montreal's going to come in here and give yeah. the Canucks a real run for their money. I like I I don't know. I would come back with a very different looking lineup on Wednesday. Really? I would come back with something very different looking. Yeah. Do you want to cut to break and then tell us what that lineup looks like on the other side? 
Yeah, I haven't even thought about it yet, but uh, we'll cut to break here. We'll get a quick uh, couple ads in, uh, and then we'll wrap things up on the other side. I, that's the thing, like, before we cut to break, this episode's going to be a little bit shorter because we're going to come back with an episode that we're going to record on Friday, which will be the day off after back-to-back games. There's going to be a lot more to talk about. Like, I'm, <laughs> I'm not tipping over to the point of freaking out yet, but man... If it's going like this still on Friday, I will be freaking out on the show on Friday. But you mentioned it. Let's cut to break here. We'll wrap it up and we'll talk about some things uh, that we should look for going into the back-to-back against Montreal Canadiens as the Canucks return home for their first homestand of the season. Zephyr Epic is Canada's source for trading card games and sports cards. They ship free anywhere in Canada on orders over $50, and you can use promo code Hockey Season with a capital H and a capital S, all one word, Hockey Season, to get $5 off your order exclusively for Canucks Conversation podcast listeners. Be sure to join them live on Twitch for epic case break openings. Follow them on Twitter and Instagram and Facebook at Zephyr Epic, Z-E-P-H-Y-R, Epic, on all platforms. Do you ever have a long work day where you just forget to hit the liquor store on the way home and then you got no beer for your game? Well, problem solved, folks. Same day delivery now from the folks at Parallel 49 Beer. That's right, the P49 crew is here and available on Uber Eats. All that brew directly to you with Uber Eats and Parallel 49's online store. Shop.Parallel49Brewing.com or check out more information on their Twitter and Instagram pages at Parallel49Beer. Oddshark.com is your home for sports odds, picks, betting, and futures. Speaking of futures, my big bet right now is taking Braden Holtby to win the Vesna. You've heard Chris and I talk about that if there's anybody that can get Holtby back, it's Ian Clark. So we bet, well, we, I say we, it was just me. I bet that Braden Holtby would win the Vesna. That's my big bet. Go make a play at oddshark.com. All right, short and sweet one here for our friends at Mike's Hard Lemonade, the Blue Freeze. If you haven't tried it, folks, you need to get out and try the Mike's Hard Blue Freeze. By far, my favorite alcoholic beverage on the market right now. If you're going to just enjoy a few drinks at a game or it's a Saturday night and you got a Zoom party with some of your friends, take yourself down to the BC Liquor Store which or your local liquor store, wherever you get drinks. Pick up some Mike's Hard Blue Freeze, the best tastiest drink on the market right now and thank you to our sponsors so let's dive into it quads we teased it on the other side some changes to the lineup but you gave some hesitation about it would you not change anything about this canucks lineup going into wednesday against the canadians well what what are you changing like jake vertanen's on the third line i thought that third line looked good to start the game i thought the like i thought the horvat line was maybe the worst worst line that they had in the first period but it wasn't even bad. That's the thing is like, I'm, I'm not pressing the panic button to the point where I'm changing up the lineup just because this lineup we saw against Calgary on Monday night is a different lineup than we saw in the other two losses, uh, the nights previous. So I don't know, like I'm giving time for JT Miller, Elias Patterson and Brock Besser to mesh a little more, get back to where they were. That's the, uh, you know, that's the verbiage Travis uses, like get back to what they are. And that's a top line in this league. I'm giving them time. I'm not, cha- I'm not moving Hoglander and I'm definitely not changing up that third line because I thought Jake had a pretty good game at the, again, first period. Everybody looked really good in the first period, but then it fell off. That's not a lineup issue. To me, that's a buy-in issue. And I'm not just trying to use a buzz 
buzzword that I heard a bunch of people on the Zoom call using tonight. To me, honestly, that is just players getting lazy and that is people taking stupid penalties. That is people not going hard into board battles. Looking at a few players when I say that, but it just needs to be a team effort and they really have to all do their part and it's just not happening right now it didn't happen in the second and third periods but it did happen in the first period and they look good in the first period and if that's not Jacob Markstrom in net the Canucks are up by at least two goals at the very least at the end of the first period there so what I'm gonna say and you know it's funny I say if that's not Jacob Markstrom they're about to face Carey Price uh, potentially for two or maybe three out of three we'll see how hard they ride him but they have Jake Allen as well Uh, they're about to face Carey Price so it's not going to get much easier but what I'm saying is if the Canucks just play their system and all of their players buy into it and you know Nate Schmidt even talked about it with new players it's hard to learn it and when when you start to panic a little bit or you start to fall off a little bit it's easy to kind of go back to what you're used to right that's what Schmidt said uh and you know that was kind of echoed by a few different players as well and I find that really interesting because I'm also curious like how different does this look if the Canucks have preseason games? You know what I mean? And, you know, if there's no sense crying over spilled milk or being like, oh, woulda, shoulda, coulda. They've got to they've gotta figure it out. I'm not trying to make excuses for them. They've got to figure it out. I just think that changing the lineup isn't the way to do it. I, yeah, I'm I'm not changing the forward groups right now. I, like you mentioned, you, you just brought in Elias Pettersson, or sorry, you just brought in JT Miller to play with Pettersson and Besser. This is the first game that I can ever remember on five on five, seeing Brock Besser and Elias Pettersson both have an individual expected goals of absolutely zero. They like if you look at analytics and you know about individual expected goals at all, an absolute zero, not a zero point three, not a zero point five, an absolute zero. This is the first time I've ever seen that in a Vancouver Canucks game after this Calgary Flames game. But I'm not making a change to the forward group at all. I think that that's. I think it's it's going to go through some things throughout the season. But this lineup that they ice tonight is their best bet. Potentially, Zach McEwen comes in, but like this, normally when you start talking about Zach McEwen coming into a fourth line, it's because the fourth line's been bad, like like they usually are. But they haven't been that bad. I actually no. like that line a lot going into right now, and I like the way that it matches up against um, some of the the better the top six lines for Montreal. Might open up some better matchups for the Horvat line or even the Pedersen line. Yeah. But that they'll probably get a ton. I mean, Montreal has a really good defense core, man. They like they have a good defense core, um, arguably the best one in the NHL. But I would make a change to the Canucks defense. I think that coming back for your home opener, I know it's not going to be the same as a normal home opener, but I'm going to the taxi squad and I'm pulling Jack Rathbone and putting him into the lineup. Uh, I'm taking only a Levy out. Like, like Yolevi hasn't been bad, but the guy barely played in today's game. Like, he barely played. He was the low man out of every single player on the ice. Heck, heck Jake Vertanen had more minutes than him. Only Yolevi played 7 minutes and 55 seconds. I think he had something like 11 shifts. So... I would do what I wrote about today, the article that came out today. I would swap Tyler Myers up to play with Quinn Hughes. Tyler Myers is coming off of a great game, probably his best game of the season. Tyler Myers had, well on ice today, had twice as many scoring chances than any other Canuck on the ice. When he was on the ice, they had eight scoring chances. The next top Canuck on the ice at all strengths was four. Like, that's brutal. To be on the ice for that long and only be on the ice for four scoring chances is absolutely horrendous. And Ole Levy. Today, it just it wasn't anything special, and I don't think it's too much about Ole being bad and taking him out, but you're playing a back-to-back game, and your team needs a boost. Why not make it Jack Rathbone's on opening night, make it Jack Rathbone's night, right? Like, bring him in, put Jack Rathbone on your third pairing, play him with Travis Hamanick, play Hughes with Myers, 
continue to play Edler with Schmidt because I think that they've been great. They weren't too great today, but I mean, they weren't bad as well. I think they've been probably the best pairing at five on five for the Canucks. I mean, Quinn Hughes is doing everything when he's on the ice by himself. He's not getting a ton of help just because of the way that Hamnick plays. I think that Quinn Hughes actually got the most help when he was with Tyler Myers today for a little short amount of time, but that's what I want to see. I would love to see Jack Rathbone come in. I think that's a huge boost to this team for a guy who hasn't even played in one professional game to come in when your team absolutely needs a boost. This is when you bring in Jack Rathbone. Like this is the time to bring in the kid who showed so like some very promising things at training camp. There was times where he was absolutely stealing the show. Like not to Niels Huglander level, but we were definitely like leaving the ice saying like, "Oh, who caught your eye?" Niels Huglander. Niels Huglander. And then the other people were saying, like, well, Jack Rathbone was really good on the defense today, too. His passes, his confidence with the puck in the offensive zone. I think Jack Rathbone should come in and play with Travis Hamnick on the third line. You know, maybe Rathbone only plays exactly what Ole Levy played on Wednesday night or Monday night and plays seven minutes and 55 seconds. But I think that that addition to the lineup really gets your team going. And it's, it feels like a thing that Travis Green would do. So, like, it wouldn't shock me to see it. And I think it's the right move to bring in Jack Rathbone and make him play his NHL debut in your home opener against the Montreal Canadiens on Wednesday night. Okay, you know what? I actually agree with you, and I'll tell you why. It's because they're not using Ole Olavi to kill penalties. And you know who they're using a lot of is Alex Edler. And it's not working. It's not working out. Like, Edler can't log this many minutes anymore. He just can't. Like, I don't know. You, The proof's in the pudding. Like, you watch the game, and he just... He doesn't, you know, and it's not even, like, to rag on him. It's just, he's older now. It's just a fact. It's just a fact. Like, he's older now, and he doesn't look how he did two or three years ago. You know what I mean? And it's just, like, you can't rely on him like that anymore. And for Oli Olevi, a guy they've been sheltering so much at 5-on-5, I get that. Absolutely, I do. He's made some mistakes at 5-on-5. But holy cow, for a guy that's main strength is to play on the penalty kill, and your penalty kill's doing this badly, man, I'm at least giving him a look. So... Here's here's what I'll say, Chris, as a bit of a rebuttal. Use Oleo Levy more in a penalty killing situation. Keep his five on five minutes the same, whatever you want to do, but use him more on the penalty kill, especially if you're gonna take this many penalties. Holy smokes, it's a good opportunity for him. Give him some time on the penalty penalty kill. If you're not going to, then by all means throw Rathbone in. I like it. I like the move. I like what you're saying. I absolutely do. I just think that before they do that, they should at least give Ollie a look on the penalty kill. Yeah, because the only time your levy's killing penalties right now is when a defenseman who is in the top four of their penalty killers is taking one. Yep. So who comes out for you? Like you said, Edler's not doing great. I think I don't think Edler's been that bad on the penalty kill uh, at certain times. I think him and Hamannick have actually. I actually think that they're defending pretty well in a lot of situations. I think that Edler's done a good job of breaking up passes. You know what? Through the first thirty-eight minutes of that game. Uh, that we just saw on Monday night, like the penalty kill was good. They were doing a really yep. good job. Travis Hamnick was clearing the puck, but what the thing that's driving me crazy right now, and it's happening so much in the first four games on the penalty kill, is these soft little clears that they're trying to make that aren't even getting past the defenseman out there. Like it's happening consistently every game you're seeing it. Tyler Myers had a couple tonight that I can remember. Edler had one tonight where it's like you have to- you have a little bit of time. You have just enough time to get the puck out, and they're just giving these little flicks. And it's flicking out to the blue line. The guys are keeping it in, going right back on the attack. And that's just driving me crazy. I think that Roussel looked good on the penalty kill. I would keep him there. But for you, are you taking Schmidt out, though? Like, for off the penalty kill? Wait, no. If you take... if you take, Sorry, if I take you Levy out of the lineup, I'm hardly taking anybody out of the penalty kill. What do you mean? 
Yeah, yeah. But what you're saying is, like, if you want more penalty kill time from your levy, Schmidt's the guy that comes up. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, because you need him more at 5-on-5. Yeah, or, you know, use Edler less and Schmidt more, whatever. All I'm saying is, yeah, Edler looked great, but... His, his time on ice, his total time on ice just can't be that high. What was it tonight? It was like over 25, was it not? Uh, no, he actually got pretty low minutes tonight. He was 20-48. Tyler Myers was the high guy tonight. Yeah, I don't know, man. Something just looks wrong with but Edler. But no, Ed, Edler has been... Well, not, not really. He hasn't been actually that high all year long, actually, looking at it. But yeah, I think that... I don't know. Edler's... It just... Edler's finding a good fit, though. Like, he is finding a really good fit with Nate Schmidt. He is, yeah, but... He is. That's why I don't change the D pairings, other than what you what you said with Rathbone. That's why that's why I agree with you there. But honestly, I just think Edler on the on the penalty kill for less time is a good thing. Or Schmidt, whoever, give Ollie a chance. I don't care who it is. All I'm pointing out is that it seems like Edler's out there a lot, and it seems like the Canucks are getting burned. And I just want to see something change. Like, just change something. And, you know, it's funny I'm saying this now because a couple minutes ago I was saying don't change the lineup at all. So, you know, maybe, yeah, don't change the lineup at all. But change your usage of it. Put Ollie on the penalty kill. Like, that's what I think is the next move before you even, before you jump to a guy like Rathbone. You need to at least see what Ollie can do in that spot where he's most comfortable. Like, that's that's his bread and butter. So, at least give him a look before you throw Rathbone in. That's my take on it. Yeah, I think that, that you have an opportunity to go right back to that in the second game against Montreal. But this first game against Montreal, like, you need to make a change. And then the change to the forward group probably shouldn't happen. Just because of what the bottom six lines have looked like. Can, like, I guess the fourth line, kind of looking at it over the four-game stretch. But looking at what the Godette line did in the first period. And as the period went, as the game went on, they were okay at certain times as well. Obviously fell off like crazy. The whole team did. But... The top six, you just got your guy back with JT Miller. You don't have to change everything around anymore. Like, the move to me, it's it's so clear. Like, it's so clear to me if you want to give your team a boost and you kind of need to make a move after losing three games in a row. Like, it's so clear to me to put Rathbone in. But what are the odds that we see, like, Jalen Chatfield come in to make his NHL debut? Like, that would that would be the worst thing that could happen. He took pregame skate today. They're traveling back to Vancouver. They got back-to-back games. We're going to probably see one defenseman be swapped out of that lineup just because it's like the way this season goes, I, I see that being something that will happen more. If they lose that game, then you swap something up for the forward group for game two against them in the back-to-back. But I just I really think it's an absolute home run to put Jack Rathbone into the lineup playing with Hamannick. Hamannick doesn't have to play a ton of five-on-five five minutes either. Like You don't have to because you're not moving around those lines when you're down, right? Like, you're down by one. Hamannick's a guy who's not going to get a lot of minutes, right? Because you're going to see Hughes with Edler or Hughes with Myers, Hughes with Schmidt. You're going to see a lot of different mixed up, and you're not going to see a lot of Hamannick or Yulevi. We saw that with Yulevi clearly today, and Hamannick as well. Like, Hamannick's going to get his time being a third-line guy, third-pairing guy, and killing penalties as the first guy out there, similar to what we saw with Chris Tanev uh, as a penalty killer at least last year. So, to me, it's a home run. Jack Rathbone in for Wednesday. I think that's the move. I wrote about it, like, the way the article that I wrote today is just taken to another level after what we saw on the ice and what the situation the Canucks are in right now. Like, it's an absolute grand slam home run to me to for Rathbone to make that debut on Wednesday. Yeah, I'd like to see it. I, I would. I honestly, honestly, I would. What I'd like to see more first is Ollie on the PK. So that's all I'll say about that is I, I, I would like to all see right. them use Ollie more on the PK and then if that doesn't work, whatever. Yeah. Go for it. Throw Rathbone in. But on the note of Chatfield, 
Travis said that today. Did you hear him? Did you catch that? If you were, I don't know if you were on the call, but Travis said that on the call today. He said, uh, yeah. Uh, gee, Dave, that was my freaking question. Oh, was it? What'd you ask him? Jesus. I don't know. I can't remember. But anyways, it was my question. Oh, good. <laughs> I think it was something about um, what he's liked about um, the pairing so far. I mean, the Schmidt pairing was great. And I asked, it was something to do with the article that I was kind of writing. It was the other day, actually. And he said that. But he said, yeah, maybe we'll see Chatfield soon. And we did see him. He took pregame skates, so he wasn't lying. Wow. But, uh, yeah, that was a couple days ago, I think. So you were on the call that you asked a question on? <laughs> I, was, I was there, yeah. yeah. Jalen Chatfield, man. I don't know. Uh, I'm pretty sure you edited my article with that quote in it. No, you didn't mention Chat. Oh, yeah, you did. You totally did. I remember it very yeah, clearly now. Jesus. Well, I mean, I, I've got nothing else to add. We've got to wait and see what happens on the Canucks home opener. Honestly, I think they're going to come yeah, out firing, I, man. I really do. Like, I'm not trying to be a homer here. I honestly, just from hearing them all talk, like, and you know, you don't want them to be all talk, but honestly, just hearing what everybody was saying today and, you know, we'll, we'll get a better gauge of it, I think, when we talk to them. I think they're not going to be available to media tomorrow, but I think they're going to talk on Wednesday morning after their morning skate, and I think you'll get a really good vibe you know what's the mood like are guys still down on themselves because they were down on themselves tonight but i think you kind of need that you know what i mean to get you got to go to your lowest of lows to get to your highest of highs if that makes sense yeah i think i think it's you hope that it's a shock to these guys right like the this team wants to compete to be the best in the division and the way that they're playing right now just is not gonna it's not gonna get you there right i mean that's plain and simple it's not gonna get you there playing like one and four so, or sorry, one in three at this point. Um, but yeah, I think I think some like coming back with the same lineup, I think, is a mistake, and coming back with Jalen Chaffield in your lineup is a bigger mistake. So, it's I'm 100 percent on the board with with Rathbone. You know, I, I I like I need to see that. I need to see Rathbone on Wednesday. Is what I'm saying. Well, I will be frustrated if I don't see it by then. So, that's how I'm sitting, man. Like this. This, this Montreal team's coming in with, like, Ben Sherratt, Shea Weber playing together, Joel Edmondson and Jeff Petrie in their top four, uh, and then Romanov, who's looked pretty decent for them so far. Their third pairings look pretty good, like, seeing the possession numbers here real quick. Like, this Montreal team's no joke, man. Like, they're going to come in and play you hard at 5-on-5. Five five. They have a good goaltender, good defense score. They have some guys who can score. This isn't this isn't Ottawa coming in to play you. Like this, this is one of the teams that's probably going to be competing with you for that third or fourth spot in the playoffs. This is this is a huge three game stretch. This is why this is one of the situations where I love this baseball format because these three games mean so much to a team, and you're not going to see the Canucks go on that crazy run like they did last year with whatever their winning streak was for that like 16 game stretch. Like you're not going to see winning streaks like that because like you don't see it in baseball, right? Like not every team's the Moneyball, uh, um, Oakland Athletics. Like you're not going to go on these win streaks playing this type of sport on this type of schedule. It's just not going to happen. So like you need to win series at home and you need to split series on the road. That was always our goal in baseball. Like when we went out and played in the BCPBL, it was okay. We go out like when we play at home, we win three or four. When we go on the road, we go two and two. Like we're happy with that. And we did way better than that because our team kicked ass. But that's what your goal should be, I think, for this Canucks team is split every game on every series on the road, split it, and then at home when you get those three gamers, you want to take two or three of those, and you want to win, you know, multiple sets in your home barn. So it's going to start with Montreal and the six game stretch that they're going to have at home here. I think it's going to be interesting looking at it ten games in because you're getting Ottawa, you got to win two out of three of those for sure. And if you win two out of three of these against Montreal, then you're looking at five and five. So. 
it's it's doable for them to get right back into the hunt of things, but they're going to have to have a really good week coming up here in front of us. Absolutely. I completely agree with you. And before we wrap up here, I wanted to make one comment. Of course your team did good. They had Chris Faber batting cleanup, baby. No, I, I wasn't even good enough to bat cleanup. That's how good our team was. Really? Wow. See, oh, that's the thing is, I okay, so when you show me, like, the few pictures I've seen of you when you were, like, a kid, um, I always remember playing against guys like you, and I was a pitcher, as everybody knows by now, and I just remember always facing kids that looked like you, and I was just like, man, I, I'm going to give up a bomb, or I'm going to strike this kid out, and usually it was the former. I, de- I definitely uh, definitely didn't pick up a ton of Ks on kids that were twice my size. No, I, uh, in my last year when I was like going for scholarships and stuff, I made sure to like, I wanted to pad the stats a little bit and I was a big lefty. I swung for, for home runs over the right field wall as much as I could. <laughs> but in my final two years, I like swapped everything cause they would always put a shift on me. So I got really good at just smacking balls right down the third base line. And I just did it every, it was so easy. Like I would Damn. just let the ball hit my bat. I wouldn't even swing hard. I would just like put the bat out there and I had enough size to just like tap it and it would just go into left field and I just get base hits high batting average so I was like the seven I was like a six and seven hole hitter like if our four spot guy was out I'd move into the four spot maybe but like our four spot hitter uh, I'll give him a shout out here Brendan McCarthy uh, second person to ever review this show he was an he launched like he went down to a good school in Texas played I think three or four years down there um, and he was he was by far our best player he was unreal and he was about my size as well but he was like when we were 13, he was tiny. He was like the smallest guy on the team, the worst player, but always had really good form. And then he just showed up one year at like 15 and he was six foot four, 220 pounds. And we're like, oh, Brendan's huge now. <laughs> he absolutely crushed uh, and became our fourth spot hitter. But we'll wrap it up there. Uh, no more baseball stories to finish up uh, this podcast. Quads, uh, I don't think you have anything more to add, you said? You're good? Uh, yeah, I do. Brendan McCarthy, PC- BC PBL playoffs in 2010 with those Nanaimo Pirates. 7-14 average. Are you kidding How me? How is that? That is insane. Who? It's oh, my God. This kid's stats. Okay, here's his, here's his game log, okay? 714 average, 750 average, 295 with two oh one k. You don't like that, sorry, Brendan. 297, 287, two. Look at this man. You were, you, yeah, you were not kidding. Six two. Oh my gosh, this 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 kid right here. He's going to the bigs. What happened to him? Where where'd he go? Let me see. This is just a BC PBL. This is the part of the show I had to. I, of course, I had to fit it in the part of the yeah, show. He went to Texas as well. He got uh, a full ride to Vernon. Uh, where three of our teammates went uh, from the Nile Pirates, went to Vernon College, and then he went on to play uh, NCAA after that. Lubbock? Lubbock? Lubbock Christian University? It's Lubbock. 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 Holy cow! Okay, so the picture I saw... Okay, now he's 6'3". He's 6'3", 224. Wow. Okay, yeah, because here's the thing. I was seeing uh, older stats. Those were his BCPBL stats. Yeah, no stats on here. Oh, here we go. Yeah, stats. Wow, 476 in the NCAA. Wow, you were not kidding. This kid, wow. Hit some bombs, He's too. Good. Four homers. He's one of my best friends. I just emceed his wedding uh, this past summer. Wow. Maybe yeah, I'd get married wedding. if I hit four homers a game. You know, many, you know how many Mike's Hard Blue Freeze I had at that wedding? Maybe I'll say that for a Patreon episode. But yeah. uh, we'll wrap it up there. No more Googling because I got a DM from someone saying that the worst part of the show is you Googling stuff on no. air. Uh, Who DM'd yeah, that? Yeah, I got it. 
Send them my way. I'm not. No, I don't want. I'm not going to put people out there. And they also gave another criticism about you, but maybe I'll tell you that one off air. Um, But yeah, they said the the Googling is the worst part of the show. So we'll wrap things up there. Uh, Actually, quick prospects report because we got two of them in action. Um, Vasily Pod Colson is playing Nikita Triampkin probably the day that you're listening to this, unless you're listening to this late Wednesday night, uh, Thursday morning at 6 a.m. Uh, I'm going to bed right now because I'm going to wake up and watch Pod Colson play against Triampkin. Uh, so that should be something that I'm looking forward to. And I know that we talked a little bit about an Arvid Kosmar interview. He banged up his shoulder as I was supposed to interview him today, actually, this morning. Um, and he banged up his shoulder and hasn't really gotten back to me yet. So I'm hoping everything's okay with him. Um, but if he's going through certain things or he's injured, we're probably not going to get that interview anytime soon. Uh, so we'll see what happens. We'll see if I can get in contact with him. Uh, and we'll just keep you guys updated for sure on that. But we want to talk with Cosmar because what he did at the world juniors was a lot of fun. And I kind of just want to pick his brain a little bit, um, and see if, uh, See how that rat brain works a little bit, because that got a lot of Canucks fans going. And uh, he mentioned that uh, that just comes naturally to him. So we'll wrap things up. Thank you very much for listening to episode 129. For David Quadrelli, my name is Chris Faber, and thank you so much for listening to another episode of the Canucks Conversation. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. 